Some people want to retire as soon as humanly possible. Some have to keep working. And some people really just want to stay on the job. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, some tips, considerations, and benefits of planning for retirement when you don't plan to retire. Plus, how much should you have saved for retirement at different stages of life? How much has the average millennial saved? And what's the deal with the five-year clock on a Roth IRA? Should you get married so you can take advantage of the fact that your new spouse's Roth is already over five years old? And should you really be asking marriage advice of Joe and Big Al? Here they are now, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about uh, how much money the average millennial has saved. All right. And I'll tell you right off the bat, this is uh, Go Banking rate survey in 2017. 57% of, of all Americans, not just millennials, all Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings account. And 39% uh, have no savings at all. So, and, okay, say that again. Yeah, so 57% have less than 1000 bucks. So let's call it 60%. 60%, 60% have it less than $1,000 yeah. saved. And of that, almost uh, about 40% is... Of the 60. Yeah, yeah, is no savings. So I'll put it this way. Let's just rent in round numbers. 40% have no savings at all, and then 20% have less than 1000 Crazy. So that's uh, so. Then it's like, well, how about the millennials? Maybe they're doing better. Of course, they're younger. They've had less time to save. But according to this article on CNBC uh, by Kathleen Elkins, the young people are no exception. So she looked at young millennials and then older millennials. So young millennials are between age eighteen and twenty-four. And here she says 67% have less than a thousand bucks in savings. See, to me, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, when I was 24, I had less than a thousand bucks. Ryan, my son's 24. He's got less than a thousand bucks. I mean, he's, uh, he, I mean, <laughs> you just, you don't have a lot of money then, right? <laughs> Paying off student loans and all kinds of stuff. But uh, at any rate, uh, interestingly enough, though, I'll, I'll give you a couple stats here. And that's, uh, so let's see, 40, what did I say? 46% have zero. Uh, Thirteen percent have ten thousand or more. All right. So that's 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 pretty good for that age. But then what about um, older millennials? So that's twenty five through thirty four, and it's a little better, but Joe, not much. I mean, so we got forty one percent that have nothing. Okay, we've got uh, another twenty percent that have less than a thousand, and at the other end of the spectrum, we've got only twenty percent that have ten thousand or more. Got it. So there's some work to be done. Yeah, it's tough, you know. I mean, if you take a look at you know people in their fifties and sixties, yeah. What what's the median or something? Fourteen thousand five hundred. Well, I forget it, where we yeah. ever got that stat from. Yeah, it was. So the, the, we we have no source I, backing that. Well, so. I, I I think it was fidelity, if I'm not mistaken. And I think I think it's it's some it's don't quote me exactly, but it's in this range that the average four hundred one k balance is. I thought it was more like ten thousand bucks. Well, and it's not the average; it's the median. The, the median, right. So the, whatever's the, the, in the middle. The median of all people. But that includes people that don't have a 401k. So if you take those out, you take people that don't have a 401k, then the median is like 97000 That was the latest that came out of Fidelity, I think, a few months ago. Something like that. That's not the average? 
What's, that's, what's, that's uh, ex- explain her what, what's the difference between an average and a median, <laughs> okay. please. Well, average is by taking all the totals of all the accounts and dividing it by the number of participants. And so you have certain accounts that have a really high balance Millions. that sort of skew the average. Right. The median just says half the people have more and half the people have less. So they take a look and they, if you could think of all the people in a line, right? And so the people with the millions are on one side, the people with the um, zero are on the other side. Right. And if there's 100 people, then they look at the 50th person and then they say, how much does this person have? Right. Because they got more than half, yes. but less than the other half. And then that was 14,500. Yeah. And, and it's right. And it's and it's widely um, thought that the median is, is a better better gauge because sure. because the averages can really skew it. I mean, you've got some people um, like Mitt Romney's 401k where he's got multi millions, yeah. right? 100 million. And in so it. that so you got his is 100 million, you got another person with zero, right? So the the, the or, average is or you have two other people with million. zero, right? So the average is 33 million. Yeah. The median is zero cuz that's there's one above that, one below that. So right. it's it's that's a little bit more accurate representation. Yeah, that's it's... the idea. And and Joe to to kind of give you some guidelines here based upon age and this came out of Fidelity. Uh, to just to give you an idea and they're recommending by age 30 you should have uh, one times your salary saved. 35, two times your salary. 43 times your salary. By 45, have four times and your is salary. Is this just liquid, or does this include home? Does it home equity? Does well, I mean what I mean what is the, what are these numbers represent? So let's. I'm 40 years old. I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. So I should have three hundred thousand. Is that my net worth, or is that retirement assets? Is that liquid well, assets? Is that, that what? That, that would be liquid assets. So that wouldn't necessarily include your home because you have to have a place to live anyway. Although a lot of people in California, their home becomes a retirement, retirement asset yeah, because right. they've got a lot of equity in it. But just as a guideline, if and I don't care whether it's in retirement accounts or outside of retirement accounts or combination, that's that's what's being recommended by age 55, uh, six times, age 60, uh, seven times, and age 65, eight times. Although Fidelity, this is an older source because Fidelity updated that and said at 65, you ought to have about 10 times your salary. And the reason they're saying that is because when you think about how much you can actually withdraw from a a portfolio. Let's say you make a hundred thousand a year, and at age sixty-five, ten times it'd be a million. The the million dollars. Well, that's that's you, you know as a as a quick rule of thumb, you can take about four percent of that million dollars. Right. So that's forty thousand bucks. And then you figure, if I was making a hundred thousand, I'll probably have around thirty grand in Social, Social Security. Security. Right. So that's seventy thousand, and maybe I'll spend less in retirement. Sometimes, a lot of times, people spend equal or more. Right. But let's let's just say if you can spend a little bit less in retirement, you you know you at least have some quality of life. So that's that's kind of where this ten times comes from. Yeah, because I think with a lot of those different calculators online, they, they assume you know seventy five percent of what you're currently spending in mm-hmm. retirement. Um, so if I'm right. spending one hundred thousand today, well in retirement you'll spend seventy five thousand, and then you know then they can kind of do this quick math. It's a good rule of thumb. I mean, it's and of course that's all it is. It's, it's right. It's I mean, sometimes a, people will go into retirement with you know three hundred thousand dollars saved, and they're spending a hundred grand. Yeah, and they've never done that they, simple math. Right, because three hundred thousand is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And then, but if if you don't understand the arithmetic, right, you're gonna 
blow yourself up fairly quickly. Yeah, so if that's you, 300000 times 4%, so that's $12,000. Social Security is $30,000, so that's 42000 That's about what you can spend. And if you're spending 150000 a year right now, it doesn't. it's not going to add up. Yeah, it's not going to add up at all. So, you know, I think it helps to some degree, but you want to make sure that you pinpoint this a little bit more. I was teaching at um, Southwest College uh, this week, and a gentleman, and by the way, too, this guy, really good guy, I set up class for, it's a two-part class, right? You got two yeah. nights. Yeah, right. right? Do you, you know this, right? I do. Are you sure? Okay. I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'll confirm that. I've, uh, so, have I been to your class? No. Never? Never. <laughs> it's so, 10 years. I, I think I went to yeah maybe you went to one USD. One I, so, I did go to USD. Yeah, I early do remember on. that. Yeah, early on. And so anyway, <laughs> I'm so I'm setting up. Just walk in, and then he's sitting in the front, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, does Big Al ever come out?" I was like, "Big Al, he's probably got three beers in him by now on the couch." No, I've got I got family. I got kids. Family responsibilities. Oh. But anyway, um, I think he's a, a, a. He has to be a fan of the show. I didn't ask him if he knew about or, Big or maybe, Al. Yeah, or maybe he was your neighbor. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and so, um, so we were getting into some tax planning, and we talked about you know Roth contributions and conversions, and yeah. you know tax diversification of assets and so on. And so he's he's so the next class he's like, well, here I went online on these calculators, yeah, and you know it's kind of telling me that it it may or may not make sense. And I was like, well, how many inputs did you put in the calculator? Right. And he's like, I think they just asked for like three. Right. And I was like, well, that's the problem, yeah. right? You know, your age, right. you know, how much money, you know yeah. what I mean? You've got yes. to dive in a little bit deeper to kind of figure this stuff out versus yes. some of the calculators that are online. Yeah. So. That, and sometimes the retirement calculators, they're okay, but the Roth ones, I, I agree, there's, there's not awful. much value they're in that. Brush up on your financial literacy. Check out Your Money, Your Wealth, and Pure Financial Advisors on YouTube. We've got brand new videos on the proposed tax reform. We've got a webcast on Investing 101. We've got video clips on the basics of estate planning to help you avoid the most common mistakes. And we've got planned giving strategies for creating charitable tax deductions on the latest episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. There are literally hundreds of educational videos to get you up to speed on just about every money topic that affects you. Just search YouTube for Pure Financial Advisors and Your Money, Your Wealth. Start binge-watching with purpose and check back regularly because we're always adding new videos. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. This week, nine tips to plan for retirement if you don't plan to retire. So, Joseph, this uh, this is uh, an article I found in Market Watch, written by Ken Tachino. Huh? Ken Tachino of, right. of Widener University. Okay. Widener University. Never heard of it. Me neither. But I like the article, and it's uh, interesting. Did, did our crack research team get you with the title? Yeah. Nine tips to plan for retirement if you don't plan to retire. Let's, let's think about that. Okay. Nine tips to plan for retirement if you don't plan to retire. So think about most people, or many people, I should say. Um, some people are counting the days until retirement. Can't wait. Right. Right? Some people have to keep working just because they, they haven't saved enough. But, uh, but some people actually choose to continue working even though they're financially able to retire because they like their jobs. They're fulfilled. It's like, 
why try to get fulfillment somewhere else and reinvent yourself if you're already enjoying your life? Sure. Right? So this article is written for you guys. All right. Right? That was a great intro, by the way. Wonderful, right? <laughs> that was and, and well so, thought out. Oh, big time. I just read the first paragraph. <laughs> sort of. Anyway, uh, well, here, and here's a stat, Joe. In the second quarter of 2017... 19% of those age 70s to 74 were, were still in the workforce. Hmm. 19%. Now, that's a lot higher than other things that we've read and seen. And, and unfortunately, this article does not give us a source. Right. So I'm just going to take his word for it. I wonder, I guess we could you know, slice and dice numbers until we're blue in the face, but 20%. I wonder, out of that 20%, are people that... Need to work versus Have to work, want right. to work. Yeah, and I don't know, right? And but here's here's the comparison. So 19% uh, in 2017, and 1994 it was 11. percent Okay. So we're we're up. We're more people are working age 70 to 74. So if that's you, you're working into your 70s because you want to work, right? What are some of the planning opportunities for you? Maybe you don't even ever want to retire. We've heard people say that. Sure. Especially if you're a business owner and you like what you're doing, right. it's like I don't, I don't ever plan to retire. Yeah, Joe because I'm is, not doing anything. I yeah, got a bunch of I employees and I just collect checks. Yeah, I like that. I'm I not, know a couple of those people. I'm the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so here's one thing you might consider: is you may be able to avoid required minimum distributions because for most people, it's seventy and a half. You have to start taking money out of your four hundred one k. That is why I'm going to continue to work. Yeah, to to, to, to avoid required minimum distributions. Well, no, but in, in context, right? These are people that want to work because okay. they are getting fulfillment out of it. And here's things that you can do if you're in that situation. And one is you can avoid required minimum distributions in your company's 401k as long as you're not a 5% owner or more. So in other words, it can't be your sole company. If you're an employee of a company and you own less than 5% of that company, your company 401k, you do not have to take a required minimum distribution. So they look at that ownership exclusion, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, Yeah. on your RBD, on your required beginning date. Right. Which we found out the hard way, Alan and I, is that it's got to be under an ERISA plan. A lar- so if, if you're a sole proprietor yeah. and you have a solo 401k and you're still working in your 70s and you roll all your money into the solo 401k because, hey, it's a 401k plan. I don't have to take a required distribution because I'm an active participant in that plan. But it doesn't. you're over a 5% owner of that Correct. because you're a 100% owner of it. But what I read is that they look at your required beginning date, and your required beginning date starts April 1st, the year after you turn 70 and a half, right? Normally. Normally. Yes. Okay. Um, well, no, always. Yeah. Unless I'm still an active participant that's, that's, in the plan? That's, yeah, I okay. thought that's where you're going. Okay. And then, so let's say I, April 2nd, I'm not a 5% owner of the plan or things like that. You could, hypothetically, this is really gray and it's probably tax fraud, but people were opening up a 401k plan then and then rolling their money in because I was not a 5% owner at my required beginning date. It happened afterwards. Got it. Yes. So anyway, I don't know. A little semantics. I don't know why you went to the weeds on that one. I did. I did. I really (laughs) wanted to show I'm the smartest guy in the room. That's why I respect (laughs) you. Anyway, a couple more things on that is if you have an IRA, you still have to take a required minimum distribution. Or if you have another 401k from an older employer, you still have to take a required minimum distribution. So if your current 401k allows 
allows you to roll in older other assets from other plans, including your IRA. You might want to go ahead and do that, right? So you can avoid the RMD. But you don't. You don't ultimately avoid it forever. As soon as you retire, then you have your required distribution. You do. It's just right. It, you just defer it. You for, defer for your longer, RMD until you decide to separate service. And let's say you retire at age. 79, yeah. right? So the following year, April, what is it, April 1st of the year after you retire? Is that what you just said? Yeah, but then you would have to do two. You would still have to satisfy the RMD the year that you retired. Got unless, it. Right. Yeah, you got to do a couple of them. And, and then those and would be pretty large. Pretty large because now you, now you got to do the table as we as, as a 79-year-old and 80-year-old. So you're going to have a higher percentage coming out than Correct. as a 70 and a half-year-old. Right. In other cases, Joe, you may be able to take retirement distributions while working, like if you have some extra expenses and and maybe you're in a low enough tax bracket. Of course, we know that once you're over 59 and a half, you can take distributions without the 10% penalty. You will pay taxes on them. But even better than that is if you're in a low enough tax bracket and you're still working, why not do some Roth conversions? Fill up those lower tax brackets so that eventually when you do retire, you won't have to take the required minimum distribution from the Roth because there is none. If it's in a Roth IRA. Another, um, <clears throat> when it comes to distribution planning, there's so many things that you have to look at because now you got the Roth 401k, right? And so Roth 401ks have required minimum distributions. The Roth IRA does not have required minimum distributions. Right. And then they're going to take a look at when you start taking distributions from the 401k, you have pre-tax dollars because you maybe contributed to them. You have a match and then you got Roth dollars. So just be careful when you start taking distributions. If you have after-tax, post-tax, Roth accounts, pre-tax, just to, to understand how to segregate all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, here's number three, Joe, is you may be able to keep making Roth IRA contributions because you're working. You have earned income. And right now, if you're single for 2017, uh, there's you can have up to $118,000 of income, adjusted gross income, and still make a full $6,500 IRA contribu- Roth IRA contribution. And once you get to 133000 then you can't make any, and then there's that phase-out period. And if you're married, that it's from 186000 to 196000 So if you're able uh, to do a Roth contribution and you have the money to do it, why not do it? Because all future growth and in income and principal in that Roth is tax-free. And don't forget, your spouse, if, even if they're not working, they can do a spousal Roth IRA contribution. So that could be 6500 plus 6500 $13,000 each and every year that you get into a Roth IRA if you qualify. Yeah, it's key. That's missed all the time. So IRAs, you're right, 70 and a half, but at um, Roth IRAs, there is no age limitation. So if you're continuing to have earned income, might as well, if you, if you can afford to. Yeah, if you can afford to. You may be able to take Social Security without losing benefits. And a lot of people feel like when they're working, they're not allowed to take Social Security without losing benefits. Here's the rule, just so you know. Once you reach full retirement age, which this year is 66 years and two months, then uh, you can take your Social Security. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Then you can you get every dollar that, that is coming your way. Now, if you're younger than re- full retirement age, there's all these formulas, Joe, of, of uh, you get to keep a certain amount of benefits, but you may have to pay some back. Well, how it works is that if you take your retirement benefit early, 
let's say you take it at 62 in two months, you're going to receive a, a haircut, roughly 25% haircut on the benefit. So your benefit's $1,000, it's going to go to 750 bucks. But if you're working, if you make more than $16,000, $17,000, right, then every $2 that you earn over that, they're going to take a dollar back from your Social Security benefit. And it's not like they're stealing it from you. They're just going to say that you never really claimed it. Uh, so your benefit would increase. So you don't get that 25% permanent haircut. It's going to be something less than that. So taking your benefit early, there's just two of those phase outs is that there's an income threshold that you have to consider. And then also you're going to receive a permanent haircut on that benefit just because you're getting it early. But let's say you take it at full retirement age and you're still working in your 70s, right? Your The benefit will never go down. It won't hurt you. It will only help you because they take a look at 35 years of work history, right? And if I'm still working in my 70s, I better be making some money. <laughs> better. You know what I mean? It's like, man, I can't stop working because the damn income is so good. Right. Right? And so if so, if I'm making really good income, it's probably better income now than I was making 35 years ago. So they're always going to replace the better income year with a lower income year. So they recalculate your benefit every year. So your benefit will increase. It will never go down. It's like, oh, I'm, I had a lower year. You know, I had 35 years of really good income and I'm still working, but I'm only working part-time and I'm only making $30,000 a year while I was making 200. Is my benefit going to go down because they take an average? No, they take that average of the 35 highest years. Whether you're planning to retire never or as soon as possible, we've got a free retirement readiness guide that can help. Just visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to download this free guide, which contains little known secrets about creating income to last a lifetime, making the most of your investing strategy in retirement, controlling your taxes, and much more. You'll learn seven plays to help you get retirement ready, despite the uncertainties we may face. Download this free retirement readiness guide from the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Getting into your list, yeah, what we, number are we on? Oh, we only done four. We oh, got five God. more to go. Nine, nine tips to plan for retirement if you don't plan to retire. And so these are for folks that are working because they want to work, but yet there's some cool planning things that they can do. Uh, one is that you, if you're in a retirement plan still, like a 401k plan at your work, you can still contribute to it uh, in most cases and your employer will probably have a match or likely have a match so you will still get retirement contributions the only exception is if you're in a defined benefit plan and you've already capped out on your benefits maybe you don't get anything there but uh, yeah don't uh, don't forget that one but Joe I want to go back to Social Security and we're talking about that at the break and that is uh, Here's another real huge benefit of working into at least age 70, and that is if you've got the income to cover your lifestyle, you can afford to wait to collect your Social Security to age 70. And when you do that, your benefit will be a lot higher. In fact, uh, from full retirement age, which right now is 66 years and two months, each and every year thereafter till age 70, your benefit grows by 8%. And that means that you're, if you would have got this simple uh, uh, calculation. If you would have got ten thousand dollars of benefits every year, you wait. Now it's ten thousand eight hundred. Now it's it's eleven thousand six hundred, and so forth. So there's a lot of that's a, that's a pretty good benefit because Social Security is one of those things that is there as long as you live. It doesn't go away. Right. It's permanent insurance. If you think about it, it's like or longevity insurance is a better word. So yeah, the you know the, the, people are going 
so back and forth on this lately. They are, yeah. Um, it's like, well, do you take it now? What's going to be there? It's getting political. It's like means testing and, you know, um, I don't trust it. I want to take it. I guess that's always been going on. Sure. But I think there's so much more information about claiming strategies than ever before because the last you know, I don't know, I guess five years, there's so many more baby boomers that are at that age to collect that were searching for information. And then it kind of flooded the um, internet. Right. And so type in social security on the internet, you're going to get 500,000 opinions on when is the best way to do it. So it's very specific, I think, to someone's overall situation. There's rules of thumb that you want to take a look at. I think Al and I are big believers of trying to push it out as long as you can, just because of the fact that you'll never outlive it. Um, You want to get that base of guaranteed fixed income as large as you can. And we're not huge believers of, you know, purchasing insurance products. So if the federal government has given you a little bit bigger bone, you know, I think it's a pretty good idea to take it. Yeah, and it's tax-favored, because in California, anyway, it's tax-free in California. And on the federal return, worst case, uh, 15% of it's tax-free. You pay tax on 85% of the benefit. Number seven, Joe, is you may want to recalculate the amount you'll need to save for retirement, since you will be spending less time in retirement. So it's like, sometimes if you retire at age 60, it's like you got to be more careful with your money. Right. Now you retire at age 75, it's like, Spend money. Yeah, well, and, and, right. And I've seen studies now, too, is that the people that are working later actually are living longer. And I was going to say that, too. That's the flip side to that, right? Which is don't go too crazy <laughs> because because it's those that are working and engaged and passionate about what they're doing. They will likely live longer because they had they had a reason to live longer. Sure, sure. Yeah. Right. You know, let's say you retired early and then all of a sudden you got bored and now you're a couch drunk. Right. Your life expectancies. There's a lot of you out there. Don't kid yourself. I know who you are, right? You know, you're like, damn, <laughs> it's noon. I'm a little buzzed. Right. Number eight, Joe, is you may want to ignore the 4% withdrawal strategy. Ignore it completely? Cause, well, because if you're... If you're tired, yeah, I suppose take six percent or yeah, something like 5%, that. Five percent, six percent, yeah, seven percent even. I would be very cautious with that. Again, I think the four percent rule is to help people to identify a target nest egg, not necessarily a distribution strategy. Taking money out of retirement accounts is a very uh, you got to get a little bit more sophisticated, in my opinion. Um, Alan and I have been doing this a couple of days. And if you're just going to go into retirement and say, all right, well, what the hell? I'm just going to pull 4% off because that's what I heard on the radio. You might blow yourself up. The 4% rule is a good tool to work backwards to figure out, hey, how much do I need in a nest egg? Right? I think that's the only way that you should use that because we see people that retire with a lot less nest egg than they should have, and they're taking way too much money out of it because they don't really understand. I have $100,000. That's a lot of money. So they're taking $10,000 out a year. Okay, well, that might be a little bit too much. Right, so if you want to take ten thousand dollars out per year, well, you do the math. Well, four percent into ten thousand is what you know. So it's not a hundred grand; it's four hundred. Yeah, I think. Well, you, you, no. you lost me on your example. So if you have if you have a hundred thousand, four percent, you could take out four thousand. Correct. Year, not ten. Ten. 000. If I'm taking ten, people get confused, right? Yes. So I have a hundred thousand dollars saved. I believe I can take ten thousand dollars out. No, you cannot take ten thousand dollars out. Right. Because you'll blow yourself up. You could take four thousand out, or something less, or something more, depending on markets, taxes, your yes. other fixed income, and so on. Yes. I but if I'm looking at if I need ten thousand dollars per year. What's 4% divided into 10,000? Well, then you want, uh, what, 
is that four hundred thousand? Yes. I guess. Yeah. Or no, it's not. It's. I know uh, that's what I said too. It's two hundred fifty thousand. Two hundred fifty thousand. Four percent of two hundred fifty thousand yeah. is ten grand. Yes. I, I finally got there. Yes. I finally. Went there. So you, yeah, <laughs> but it's easy to say four hundred thousand, isn't it? Ten four yeah. percent into ten thousand. I, right? I guarantee you, Andre. What do you think? You thought four hundred thousand too. He was open up a Roth IRA. Damn it. He was. He was thinking about the Roth. <laughs> he wasn't paying attention. So the last consideration, Joe, is. Uh, Kind of a catch-all. It's other things you might want to consider. Like if you're still working in a job, you probably have better health insurance coverage maybe than Medicare and supplemental. I doubt it. You might. <laughs> that was um, a joke. <laughs> another one would be you might, be you might invest your portfolio a little bit differently sure. than someone else. And there's two different trains of thought depending upon your situation. Maybe you take less risk in your portfolio because... You don't need the money for as long, or maybe you take more risk because you don't need the money, right? Depending upon what your long-term goals are. Do you want to have the money around when you pass for your kids or for charity or for whatever you want? Or it's like, you know what? I got enough money already. Let's let's go really safe. I may not have to be very aggressive because I don't need the money as long. Sure. Yeah, that's the idea. And then finally, you might want to focus more on your estate plan and lifetime giving opportunities because you're working longer, so maybe there's a little bit more capital to be a little bit more generous. Yeah. You know, I think as the older we get, too, there's a different type of planning that you look at. Um, And I'll wrap up with this quick story just to help someone identify maybe some planning opportunities that you want to do. Is that there was an individual that had a pension and Social Security that covered 100% of her living expenses. She was a widow. And she had a couple million dollars, and she's like, okay, well, here, what do I do with these dollars? My husband took care of it. I really don't know. I want to give a little bit to charity. I want to, of course, give to my family and so on. But her fixed income sources were covering most of it. She's getting RMDs now. She's in her mid-70s. And so some of the things that you look at is to say, all right, well, if you forecast that out to life expectancy, this $3 million that you've accumulated, I don't know, maybe over the next 15 years could double at a fairly conservative rate, right? So now you have $6 million. Do you want to give $6 million to your kids? Well, I don't know. That seems like a lot. I want to give a little bit to charity. Okay, well, how much do you want to give to charity? Maybe 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%. What, what, what's the number? Well, 20%. Well, then you could take a present value of that, right? And then you could do some cool tax planning while you're alive and give while you're alive. Most people love to do that and knowing that their financial house is in order, they can give to the charities that they're passionate about and knowing that there's going to be still a good sized dollar figure that, that, that will go to the family. The kids get, plus they get a tax deduction today. It's, exactly. It's, it's all good. Right. So it's just a different way to, to look at things. Again, when you're taking dollars out, when you're in retirement or wealth transfer, it's, it's a different play. It's a different strategy. It's a different type of planning than when you're just trying to you know throw money at your 401k plan and try to get to a certain dollar figure as soon as you can. Strategies for retirement account contributions and distributions, collecting social security, withdrawal rates, estate planning, charitable giving. These are all really highly personal things and they depend on the specifics of your situation. If you're planning to put off retirement as long as possible, or if you want to retire as soon as possible, call 888-994-6257 or email info at purefinancial.com to learn what strategies make the most sense for you in retirement or non-retirement as the case may be. Make sure you're making the most of your situation. Call 888-994-6257 or email info at purefinancial.com. That's 888-994-6257 or info at purefinancial.com. Money is emotional. 
It, it is. We just found out about that, and I agree with that. Yeah. You kind of have to get your mind right, I think, before you start doing this. And I, and I think that's probably a big miss of a lot of people. It's like, it, it's kind of like, it's almost like, like getting into shape. You know, you already kind of know the formula. Eat less and exercise more, get enough sleep. Right. I mean, if you look at these workout videos, you know, the magazines, I mean, that's a billion billion dollar business it is and it's like i know there's there's a lot to it and all you gotta it, do is burpees it, it, it's, you know what i mean it, you eat a, some salads and do burpees you don't need to spend you know 50 bucks a month on um you, you can you can you can jog you can get little weights for at home you can do core exercises you don't even planks. need little weights you don't necessarily right you can you do, do planks sit-ups push-ups yeah. push-ups burpees right? burpees you yep. do burpees oh i do burpees yeah okay. i do a lot that. of burpees a long time. It's yeah. A, yeah. He'll knock you out, man. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I met a, a guy last night in our neighborhood. So he, he told me that he recommends this exercise routine where the first day you do one push up, one sit up, one whatever. And then you just keep advancing, and then the next thing you do two, and, two the next and, you do and so three. on. And then, but he but he said after each um, after each rep, so one one sit up, <laughs> then you do 500 jump ropes. That seemed kind of extreme. You go from nothing to maybe you bring, maybe you tailor that up. But he said, if you goof up and like at three hundred, you you trip, you have to start over. Huh? So that's what he does. And so he's gotten to where it's like it's like a couple hours workout by the time he's doing his whatever. Well, yeah, you get a couple of months. Yeah. I mean, right? If if would you rather have a penny that compounds daily? And at the end of 30 days, or would you rather have a million dollars? Yeah. Well, I, had, I, I think it's the penny, right? Yeah, yeah the penny. What is the, the, I don't know what it's, it is. It's higher than a million. It's, 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 it's big. It's a big number. <laughs> we came prepared today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but boy. you're right. It's, it's, it's incremental. It's making changes. Because, it's, it's, uh, I mean, so many people fail in their diet and exercise to kind of continue that metaphor because they try to do too much too quickly. Right. It's like, all right, I'm I'm not going to eat a dessert ever again. It's like and then three days. Yeah. Well, I guess I can't do this. Yeah. And it's like, no, plan some of that in there. It's, it's OK. Just just make some changes. Yeah, you can't, I mean, it's so difficult. There's there's some people that can do it. Um, that goes cold turkey. Right. You know, and all of a sudden, this is my diet. This is my regiment. And this is my exercise routine. And I'm going to stick with it. Um, you know, if. It's man because the first day you go to the gym, guess what happens the next five days? You are sore as hell. You are, and you right. don't want to even think about moving. And so I got to go to the gym again today. Yeah. When I did it too, because you're all motivated. That first day you're so motivated. You're in there. I'm gonna run ten miles. Yeah. I'm gonna you know bench press. I'm gonna squat. I'm gonna do my abs. I'm gonna do everything. And then you blow yourself up, <laughs> and then you're done for two months. You're like I'm never doing this again. Right. So you sit on the couch and eat McDonald's. And the other thing that happens with your diet. Is yeah, you're eating McDonald's and burritos and all this stuff, and you go, okay, I'm gonna eat right. And the next day, salad, carrots, right? Yeah, radishes. You see it in the office. <laughs> you see it. I'm not gonna call anyone out, but I see it in the office every day of my life. One day, it's like, wow, I'm on an all kale diet. <laughs> and then the next day, you know, it's like all of a sudden, Jack in the Box. <laughs> like, what happened to kale there, Bubba? Right. Doesn't, it doesn't yeah, last. kale sucks. 
you know, it's, it's, yeah. So I guess the point is gradual is good. You'll actually can sustain it. Right. Yeah. And then once you, it's all about habits, right? You got to get in your, a, a good habit. Yeah. And it takes time to develop that habit. Yeah. Now, sometimes some a, a life event happens, like a heart attack. And, sure. And, and that, that will motivate you. Right. You go to the doctor and all of a sudden they're like, hey, <laughs> You're gonna. You die. got a mild case of whatever. Right. You're like, oh boy. Yeah. Right. You, know? you you need to change tomorrow, tomorrow today. Yes. Yeah. Right now. And so then you get the list. You go to the store and you buy the food. Right. And then you you you're down for about a week, but then you get used to it. Yeah. And that does that does happen. Uh, yeah. Sometimes when you get some news. Yeah. That 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 can definitely. That, those are life changers. <laughs> it's a life changer, yeah. right? Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have that in our finances. It's not like you're, right? Uh, you go to a financial advisor. They're not. It's not like the doctor saying, you know what? Here, you're going to die. I might tell someone, you know what? You will run out of money. Yeah, and, and then they and, won't believe me. Yeah, in in eight years, they go, well, no, no way. Well, well, we can fix this or whatever. <laughs> you know, but Joe, you don't understand. We can spend less. Oh yeah, we're not lavish. <laughs> No, you right? It's like, okay, do you have three months of your expenses in cash? No. Okay, that's an issue. That's a red flag. Right? You need to work on this. Right. You have a, you know, how old are you? Uh, let's say you're 60. Well, what, what times of your salary do you have saved in your 401k plan? You make $100,000, you're 60, you have $100,000 saved. Yeah, that's one time. You that's should, one time. You should have eight times. Eight times. You're way behind. Well, I could catch up. You <laughs> when, don't understand. When are you retiring? Next year. Next year. <laughs> right? But it's like with our finances, there's not that, for some individuals anyway, I'm not trying right. to you know, cast a spell on everyone, but what I've been doing this almost 20 years, and we've seen thousands. So I have a little bit experience in this field. Yeah. Well, it could happen. You could have a house in a hurricane zone and lose everything, and that would force you to save. Of course. So it, it can happen. It can happen, but it's like it's. It, but do you want people are just dying a slow financial death? Right, is really what's going on. Right, right. And it's well, there's because of procrastination. Well, there's next year. There's next year, and uh, you know, well, I had this expense, and you know what? I understand. You got kids that you had to put through school. You have a mortgage that you have to pay for. You had a health event. You had this. You had that. I understand. Yeah, you, you lost your job or any number of things of that happened. And and, and life yeah, happens. These are these are real things, and that's why. You save beforehand, so you can you can weather the storm, and then you then <laughs> then you still have retirement savings and other things like that. You get another job or or, right, not, what, or whatever the situation. Now you're fully was. employed. How much of your income are you saving? Right. Uh, are you saving five percent? You should be probably saving fifteen to twenty percent. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I you think, know, depending on what you have saved and if you're on track or yeah, not yeah. on track and things. I think fifteen percent that. that that's a reasonable goal uh, or, or probably what you should get to. It's uh, so few people are there though. Right. You know, I was um, going through basically how much money that you need to retire on. Uh, whatever lifestyle. So if you're spending twenty thousand a year, forty thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, and so on. And I was going through the the, the arithmetic. You know, right, right. here's what you're spending. Here's what your you know social security benefits are. Here's what you're short. Right. You know, so then you multiply that shortfall by twenty five, and then that's going to tell you how much money that you need. Right. Or another way to say it is that you don't want to pull out any more than four percent out of your portfolio, right? And guess what? I mean, this whole classroom just looked at me dumbfounded. What? That's it? Only four <laughs> percent? Yeah. 
and oh my God, we're currently retired and we're pulling out way more than that. It's right. like, well, you, you, people need to get educated here. You need to take a look at what is going on in your situation. How much money do you have? How serious are you about your overall retirement? And making sure that you got a game plan in place to pay off your debt if you have debt. You know, to take a look, do you keep a mortgage or do you refinance and push the thing out? Do you pay it off? Uh, do you have student loan debt? You know, still from yourself or from the kids? Uh, just understand what you got. Write it down. I know sometimes it gets stressful. A lot of times I don't want to go to the doctor. It's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I understand that maybe I'm out of shape or whatever. Right. Uh, but you got to face the music at some point. The sooner you do it, I think the better off you're going to well, be. Well, Joe, I, I think procrastination is is the big problem. And I, this is kind of interesting. I saw this last week. This is how to build a million dollars. You're 40 years old. You got nothing. And you want to retire at 67. So, and I'm not saying a million dollars is the right number. It's actually should be different for everybody. But just to go with this illustration, you want to build a million dollars, you're 40, you're going to work seven, 27 more years. So if you make 40 thousand a year, you have to save 37% of your income, right? If it's $60,000, you got to save 25% of your income. 100,000, it's 15% of your income. And and if you're making 120,000, it's 13% of your income. Starting at what age? At 40 and and retiring at 67. You can get there. But then the question is, is the million dollars, is it the right answer? Because for some people, 300,000 is plenty. And other people, it's three, four, five million. All right. So 40, I'm 40. I'm going to retire at 67. A million dollars is not going to be a million dollars today. That's right. And a million million dollars will will generate about forty thousand dollars of spendable money and so that is going to feel like probably twenty thousand right <laughs> right yeah and so all right so you save your your tail off you get the million dollars but now you're you're still feels like you're poverty right it's a tough game man it's a tough game I, you know but it, it, it's time to get serious if you're looking at hey am, am I on track not on track what do I need to do I would start uh, today. If you've got a burning money question, just call 888-994-6257 for your chance to talk to Joe and Big Al and have your question answered live during Your Money, Your Wealth. That number again is 888-994-6257. Of course, Joe and Big Al are always willing to answer your email questions at info at purefinancial.com or you can send them directly to joe.anderson at purefinancial.com or alan.clopine at purefinancial.com. We got an email question uh, this week. And it was based on the five-year clock on a Roth IRA. Did you see that one? Uh, yes, I think so. So here was the question. In regards to, let's say, if you're married, um, and so, hey, I'm going to get married. My wife has had a Roth IRA for seven years. I'm thinking about starting a Roth now. Does my five-year clock happen because I'm going to marry her because she's got a Roth and she's had it for over five years? Something to that effect. So I think he was looking to get married because of the five-year clock. Yeah, I think that's right, and I'm I'm not finding it in three seconds. But but yeah, that was the question. It had. He's to like, be- hey, what do you think? Is this a good idea to get married? Right. She's got a Roth IRA. <laughs> we get can that I question. use can I we, use her five year clock? We we get that question all the time. Should I get married? And every <laughs> usually we'll say that's none of our business. Yeah, well, what are you asking me for? And then on, on the off chance that I'll say, well, that's up to you. However, from a tax standpoint, and then someone acts on that, then I hear about it for the next ten years. Because if you ask Alan <laughs> and you ask me if you should get married, you're gonna probably get two totally different types of answers. That's true. Right? How long have you been married? 29 years. 30 years. 30 years of wedding bliss, just yes. about. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been married. Yes. So don't ask <laughs> Joe, should I get married? 
about the longest relationship I've had. It's about six weeks. <laughs> now you've had what? A couple years? Oh, uh, sure. I don't know. Three Whatever. years. Yeah. yeah. Give or take. Great. Yeah. Let's bring up the bad memories now. <laughs> I'm in a good mood. Next yeah. Thing you know. Well, anyway, the, que- the I think the question was, yeah, so w- was one, should I get married, right? And the other question is, can I use my wife's five-year clock? And the answer is, it's an individual retirement account. So that means it's yours. Even, there's no joint accounts. So if you have a Roth IRA, your wife has a Roth IRA, or future wife has a Roth IRA, no, it's based on your own contributions or conversions. And let me explain the five-year clock again, because it is a little confusing. Roth IRA, in general, <clears throat> will grow 100% tax-free, but they have to be a qualified distribution. And what qualifies a distribution to be tax-free, um, in the most general sense, is that it has to season in the Roth IRA for five years, or until you turn 59 and a half, whichever's longer. And so, if you make contributions into the Roth, so let's say... Five years ago, you made one contribution to the Roth, uh, a Roth IRA at TD Ameritrade, and then this year you make another Roth IRA contribution at Fidelity, right? So you've had a Roth IRA open for a total of five years. You opened the first one up at TD Ameritrade. So that second contribution, even though it was five years later, into the Roth IRA, that five-year clock is satisfied with the first dollar that went into the first Roth at TD Ameritrade. Each Roth IRA contribution does not have a five-year clock. And what it means is that the money needs a season inside the Roth IRA for five years or 59 and a half to have a qualified distribution for it to be tax-free. So if you're 45 years old, right, well, you can't touch the money until you're 59 and a half. But let's say if you're 65 years old and you put money into a Roth IRA, you have to wait until age 70 to get any of the growth out tax-free if you've never established a Roth IRA before. Is that pretty succinct? Yes, that makes sense. All right. So that's on contributions. However, with contributions, it's FIFO tax treatment, first in, first out. So it doesn't. You can always have access to the money that you put into the Roth IRA. So if you put in five thousand dollars today, and then next week you need the five thousand dollars, you pull it out. No big deal. No taxes. No harm. No fall. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot at of, any age. At any age, and a lot of people don't realize that they did a Roth contribution. Now they know that they have to wait five years or fifty nine and a half, whichever is longer, to get the earnings out, the growth out, right? But that original contribution of five thousand dollars, you can take that out at any time, at any age. It doesn't matter whether it's one week or twenty years. You can take it out, and there's no tax and there's no penalty. So many people don't understand that, and a lot of accountants don't understand that too. They think that no, you can't touch it till you're fifty nine and a half. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of times when we have. Um, older individuals, um, let's say in their 70s, that are doing Roth conversions to try to reduce some of the required distributions and things like that, then they might hear, oh, this five-year clock, if I, if I need access to the money, I need to wait five years? Yeah, I can't wait five years. Uh, there, right. No, no right. it's you always have access to the money that you pay tax on. Just think of it like that. Unless you're under 59 and a half, then that's a totally separate five-year clock. That's on conversions. Right. So if you do a Roth IRA conversion, if you're under 59 and a half, each conversion has its own five-year clock. So I do a conversion at 45, 46, 47, 48, whatever. Each year I do those conversions, I have to wait five years to be 
able to get access to that conversion money. Yeah, not the growth. Not the, the growth. The conversion the money. The conversion money. Right. Once I'm over 59 and a half, then it's just the five years on the growth. I can have access to the money that I convert at any time. Right. If I've already established a Roth IRA that satisfies the five-year clock and I do a conversion, if I'm over 59 and a half, my five-year clock is already satisfied. You don't have to do it again. You'd never have to do it again right. at that point. Because what they're trying to do on the conversion side to have these all sorts of different crazy five-year clocks is that they're trying to avoid people to avoid the 10% early distribution penalty if you're under 59 and a half. Right. Yeah. Because if you take money out, you pay a 10% penalty. And if they say, well, you can do a conversion, you pay the tax on the conversion, but then if you could pull it out the next day, now all of a sudden you avoided the penalty. So we're going to say every time you do a conversion, when you're younger than 59 and a half, you got to wait five years before you can actually get those dollars and they without penalty, right? And so I, I guess they figure in five years, your financial situation might have changed. Changed, right. Yeah, yeah that impulse buy is right. gone. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. And, and again, if you're under 59 and a half, you could take money from a retirement account, an IRA, 401k, 403b, and convert that to a Roth IRA, you do have to pay tax, but there is no penalty. There is no penalty. Unless you pay the tax out of the IRA, then the money that you pull out of the IRA to pay the tax, well, then that is not a qualified conversion dollar. You know, so just be careful there. But you could do a Roth IRA conversion. That's taking money from a retirement account, converting it to a Roth. Why do you want to do that? Is then all future growth of those dollars is going to grow 100% tax-free. You're going to get tax diversification. When you start creating income, you're going to have different pools of money that you can pull from. So there's a lot of different value add depending on your you know situation hey hopefully this helped um we had a great time doing the show for big al quote i'm joe anderson uh, we'll be back again next week show's called your money or well so to recap today's show money's emotional and most people don't have enough of it for retirement so start treating it like a fitness plan start gradually and build up discipline if you don't plan to retire some of your financial strategies may change for the better Call 888-994-6257 for a free financial assessment to help you make the most of your situation. And if your spouse-to-be has a 7-year-old Roth IRA, you shouldn't marry them just to take advantage of that 5-year Roth clock because it doesn't work that way. And you shouldn't be asking Joe and Big Al for marriage advice anyway. Subscribe to this podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer live on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth, presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.